Tell me when we're gonna start. You did it. You did the clap. It registered. Really? Yeah. Can you do it. I feel better if you do it. <laughs> okay. Right, wait, 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 wait. Am I gonna introduce you first? What am I doing? What's this? You're doing the whole intro, man. Oh, and then come I'll, on. I do Fred Domenico. All I have to do is say my name. That's all I this have to do everything? <laughs> I've done like 20 and you've done one. Yeah. Okay. There you go, ready? We're doing it live. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> I supposed to have that filter on my face. First of all, don't I get a filter on my face? Do I need to pull your string or anything? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Resurrecting Our Freedom. We have such an amazing guest. Um, she's a friend of mine, a patient, and she's been through a lot of information regarding vaccine. And actually, I would say she's an expert and knows a lot of experts in the field. So we're going to have the most compelling interview. But before that, I'd like to bring up my good friend. Dr. I'm Dr. Fred DiDomenico, and what I want to say is, it's not that this is going to be about information. This is about a life experience. Yes, that's that's way bigger than information. Information came second. The experience came first. And, you know, again, like anything, we're all human beings, right? We learn more from pain than pleasure. Like yeah. a lot of our purpose comes through trauma and a painful experience. So, so cinch up your belts, tighten your bootstraps a little bit. And uh, you're going to be very compelled with what we're going to go over today. And here we go. So this is Valerie. Welcome, Valerie, to our audience. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for being here. Honor. Uh, we won't say this live, but this is actually the second time you're on our podcast. But we'll just leave that between the three of us right now. Anyway, welcome. So you have a really, really... So it's really... not live. It's recorded. <laughs> but, but they're still hearing it. They're hearing it live. But... Uh, <laughs> He's not very good at keeping secrets, by the way. <laughs> yeah, like, Doug, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I tried to play this game the other day. It's a liar's, like, poker game. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I have, like, Catholic guilt. It wouldn't work. <laughs> I had a face when I knew I was lying. Anyway, Valerie, on a serious note, we, um, you have an amazing story. And that story is actually really, really, really compelling. And I think that story can uh, save a lot of lives. At least it will help people awaken to the experience. As Fred says, a lot of people have information, but that gap between what's in our brain and what's in our heart, sometimes that takes a lot to get through. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and uh, how you got into this, uh, where you actually started gathering information. So well, what I would what say that we are a pretty for you? modern American family, two kids. Um, my husband and I have been married for 30 plus years, and we... Um, felt very blessed in our life. And um, our kids had some medical things, but we thought that they were very normal when they were growing up. Our son had a lot of ear infections. You know, it just was sort of um, just a, felt like a normal experience. Our friends were experiencing it too. Our daughter had some gastro problems growing up, but um, things kind of came to a head with our daughter uh, the summer before high school. And she developed um, what we didn't know at the time was Clostridium difficile, which people call C. diff. And uh, she must've gotten it out and about. Um, it used to only be, um, people would catch it in hospitals when they were um, compromised by having too many um, antibiotics and their systems were open. Um, but she must've gotten it out and about. And then, but we didn't, she didn't get diagnosed for a year. Um, they thought it was acid, uh, gastric reflux or acid reflux. And they kept prescribing all sorts of things that were not helping her. And she was desperate. We would go to the hospital just so they could put her out because she was in so much pain. 
And, um, and it was not a very enjoyable freshman high school experience. Um, and she had to quit a lot of activities and she would call me often to come home. She just couldn't handle it, the pain. And so finally we went to an integrative medicine doctor who was the first person after a year who did a stool sample on her and found out she had C. diff. And um, usually people get C. diff. It's actually, I think it's the second most deadly uh, disease in a hospital. So she had been living with it. So luckily she had been healthy up to this point. So that probably saved her. But, um, and so they did the regular allopathic medicine. First, they gave her vancomycin, which is the standard of care, which is very strong antibiotic. And um, it didn't help her at all, actually made her worse. And so then the doctor went off label and gave her Alinea, um, which is an antiprotozole. And we had to get it through different channels and such uh, because insurance wouldn't pay for it. And so um, she went on that two courses of that, finally tested negative for C. diff, but then they said that she was uh, 14 at the time. They said that her stomach wouldn't be repaired until she was about 26. So um, even on supplements and getting her stomach back because it had been so ravaged. So um, that really started me down a line of trying to figure out, you know, different courses of medicine, different ways of taking care of yourself, you know, nutritionally and with supplements and, um, you know, not, not trusting the Western medicine uh, model, but certainly looking at alternatives to the Western medicine model, trusting myself a little bit more instead of just going along. Um, and then on the other hand, uh, we have a son who um, was extremely strong and agile and athletic and everything. And um, there's a number of things that probably contributed to this, but he um, eight years ago passed from sudden cardiac death. Um, just one night he was out and with friends and he came back to his apartment with the friends and just collapsed. And um, the coroner thought it was that he had been out drinking, although he hadn't been drinking that much. And it took me figuring it out um, because the coroner's office wasn't interested. So, um, which, you know, I understand they are there to see if there's foul play. I mean, I can only imagine what that was like. I mean, you went through all this trauma with your daughter, just literally, I mean, I'm sure she was, it's the second leading cause of death in hospitals. I'm sure you were even questioning her own life. And then all of a sudden this hits you out of the blue. Like, it did. And she was, she was just getting sort of back into, she was in college at this time. And so she was just starting to enjoy her life. You know, we kind of gave a sigh of relief that things were off to a good start. And then um, again, and I, I, you know, for someone who hasn't lost a child, you can't even imagine, I wouldn't want anyone to imagine what that's like, um, especially out of the blue. And um, so it took, I went on a journey for a year just sitting at my computer and um, literally calling um, institutes and universities around the country and pleading for someone to talk to me about what could have happened to Grant. And so um, Mayo Clinic in uh, Rochester decided to take his um, samples, his heart tissue samples and do genetic testing on them. They didn't find anything out until just this last year. So it's been eight years. So, um, but as a mother, you never give up. So, um, and not until you find answers. So um, that's been my basic journey. So 
and then since then we had really sort of relied on ourselves and our own sort of uh, creative thinking and intelligent thinking to uh, to just be our own best advocate for our health. So what do you what did you come up with in those eight years, and what do you believe was the cause of Grant's passing? There was well, a couple instances. We do have a genetic to- variant um, that's called FLNC, and it is a pathogenic um, variant that is disease causing. And I have it, but I haven't expressed it. Um, you know, you can get into the whole epigenetics, which I do believe in that you environmental factors will cause your genes to turn on or off. So I don't know what in his case um, would have been it. Um, you know, it could be vaccines. I do blame the HPV vaccine for my daughter's C. diff because she got it just a few months prior to getting C. diff. So she was healthy. She got the HPV vaccination and then she got the C. diff. Yeah, I, I did a timeline more recently and it was the like the month prior that she got, I'm not sure if it was her first or her third one, but yeah. Um, and she'd been pretty healthy up to that point. And then Grant, like I said, he got them from the health center at college. And um, because at the time they were just telling that boys should get it too. Okay, so they both got HPV, which a lot of kids, man, a lot of teenagers have a really bad time with HPV. With that vaccination, I mean, it causes not only disease, but tons of paralytic problems. There's all kinds of problems with the immune system. It's so bad that actually the country of Japan uh, no longer allows it in their country. And then now they're wanting to give it to kids before they even start school, before um, kindergarten, you know, in which, you know, it's for a sexually transmitted disease, which, you know, is just way too early. Um, I don't believe in it anyways, you know, the HPV, I think it does more harm than good. But but to give it before they even start school at such a young age is... uh, I don't know. I think it's criminal. Well, the same reason why you would give a hep B to a brand newborn baby. I mean, how many brand newborn babies do you know that are having anal sex or IV drug users? Yet we give a vaccine for that very reason. Well, the HPV, sorry, the the HPV vaccine, they have shown that if you, you know, if your mother had HPV, then, and you are exposed to the disease, that um, it's actually like a, I don't know, 200 or something. I, I don't know the statistic, but it gives, um, it's a cancer causing. So if you already have it in your system and then they give you the vaccine, it just makes it explode. So they're not testing for that. So you, you mentioned epigenetics, just so the, our audience knows what that means. And I, this is a great uh, understanding that somebody told me once. So if you can imagine that the bullet, so to speak, in the chamber is the epigene, which sits on top of the gene, and then a toxicant or environmental factor, or in this case, a vaccine, is what pulls the trigger. And when you pull the trigger, then that's when something happens. So it's a combination. Having the epigene all by itself will never will never make anything happen. You'll never get a disease from just the epigene. It requires the pulling of the trigger, and that's when you have a toxicant exposure. And it was more than likely one of the ingredients or the virus itself that they put into the vaccine, which then triggered the, re- the response. And that's when we got the immune compromise, the cytokine storm, and the, in your case, uh, your daughter's case, at least a C. diff, and your son's case, possibly the heart condition. That's yeah, it. I'm not sure about in Grant's case. You know, I, I'm not blaming the vaccine for his. I, I don't know what happened. He did have that gene. I have it. I don't have any 
sort of symptoms. My mom has it. She had symptoms in her later years. Um, my sister has it. Um, she is now just developing system, uh, some symptoms. You know, she's 60 years old. Grant was 22. Right. Well, the thing is, is that they um, they think it's a one size fits all. 
So, you know, I don't know how, like with the COVID vaccine, they can say that every single person living, breathing uh, should take the vaccine. They don't take in consideration that, you know, people have different, you know, uh, allergies, or even if you have the antibodies that you have a stronger reaction, or if you've had a vaccine reaction before to the um, adjuvants, you know, I, I just don't understand how they can just say every single person on planet earth needs to take it. Even you know, and what happened, what happened to, you know, my body, my choice that, you know, is such the mantra these days with everything else. And, you know, I, I want to be able to choose for me and what's good for me, what's good for my family. And, you know, people, I, I have friends that they feel pressured into taking it because they're being shamed, you know, or they're being shamed by family, they're being shamed by friends. And, you know, if they're on the fence, then they're going to take it, even if they don't want to. So, and, you know, and then they may have some sort of reaction. So, you know, it, it, I think it's just ridiculous that the, um, the pressure that is being put on people. Well, again, it takes people's, number one, liberties away, because when you lose the right at what the government tells you that you must or must not inject in your body, we are on a, such a slippery slope. And so that's the whole impetus for this podcast is to give people health liberties. Because when you lose your health liberty, you're going to lose all your liberties. And a loss of one liberty, liberty is the loss of all liberties. Regardless if you want the vaccine or not. I tell people, if you choose to inject yourself with the vaccine, good for you. That's what you choose. Hopefully you've done your research and you're making the best decision for your life. But if you choose not to, you should also have that right as well. And that's why we need to be our own best advocates. That's why I love what Dr. Fred teaches and he teaches that we should have a doctor-doctor relationship. You should sit in front of a doctor and you should have a discussion on what's best for Valerie and your family. You're not going to do what's best for Valerie because it's best for the John or Tom or Mary, you know, for um, another community. It's what's best for you. I was about to say, when even when we give a person a vitamin, which is generally, generally regarded as safe, we even take weight and gender into considerations before we recommend a vitamin. Now we're talking about injecting potentially dangerous cytokine-causing drugs into the human body without any reference to a person's weight or gender or genetics. Well, I so think what, is, what I think is ironic is that, you know, um, when, you know, COVID was happening and if I didn't want to wear a mask, if I didn't want to be vaccinated, that the people would say, well, you know, you're putting my life in danger by not getting vaccinated. You're putting my life in danger by not wearing a mask. But if you get vaccinated, you don't stop transmission of the disease. You don't stop yourself from transmitting the disease. You just become an asymptomatic carrier. And so the ironic thing is that for the vaccinated people are now putting, if you, you know, go by the whole COVID sort of mantra, the vaccinated people are now putting the unvaccinated people in danger because it's going to be a whole plane load of um, of asymptomatic carriers, and so you know it, it, they don't look at it that way. So I don't know it just, it's it's just a whole mishmash of problems. So when you look at um, you know to say you're on the other side of this experience, I, I don't know if you're really on the other side of the emotion, you're just through the immediate crisis, but I'd imagine being a mom, that emotional trauma would be pretty hard to shed. Like, I'm sure you move on, but I can't even begin to comment on that. So getting to, if you want to say metaphorically, the other side of this, 
what what's what's it like now being you and being your family well that's an interesting question because um you know obviously people are sympathetic in the first year you know um they understand if you are depressed they understand if you are emotional you cry the drop of a hat and you have to really sort of internalize that and as i call it i put a manhole cover on it because you know something really heavy that it's hard to take off but as soon as you um you know slide it over and just even get a little drift of something out it's easy to take you right back there um, and my husband and I uh, many times will have um, moments, even this last weekend, and I'm tearing up now because I had a really hard time and it just overwhelms you. And it just comes back and there's just certain things, you know, just seeing his friends move on, um, getting married, having kids, all Grant wanted was to be a dad. And, um, and he had the girl picked out that he was gonna marry. He was so excited about, you know, the next part of his life. He had just graduated college, you know, a month prior. So um, we were excited to have that. So um, it's, even though eight years have passed by and it feels like forever sometimes, it feels like yesterday. So, um, you know, we have pictures of him all around our house. A friend commented, um, you know, you are really representing Grant well in your house. And sometimes it makes me feel guilty. You know, um, we represent our daughter too, but you know, I'm not gonna forget about him. I mean, he is present in my life. I'm very spiritual maybe not religious, but I'm extremely spiritual. And, you know, if we want to get into that at all, which, you know, I'm not going to, but, you know, I had a premonition that he wasn't going to be here for very long. How many years, what was the time frame before he passed that you had a premonition? Was it when he was young or was no, it? No, um, probably the three years, probably college. And I thought that maybe he was going to be in an accident, like, you know, with friends who were drinking or something like that. I just felt like something was going to happen. And I would even you know, sort of a wakeful dream of his funeral, which is pretty heavy. And, um, and so I just, you know, I tell myself, you're being a bad mother, get that out of your head, you know, how can you even think that? And, um, and then when he graduated the month before, I literally said to myself, you know, he's out of the woods, you know, he's no longer, you know, in that sort of party stage, he's now into the adult stage. And he wasn't a huge partier, but you know, he's a college kid, you know, fraternity and everything. And um, so I literally said to myself, you know, we're, woo, you know, <laughs> and, um, and so it just, it just happened. I mean, I, I do believe in, you know, your soul's experience. I do believe that he and I were very connected. You know, I still believe that. And um, so it just is, you know, not everyone believes, you know, in that sort of connection, but um I think we're here for a purpose. I think we're here to live our journey. I think we need to be very authentic in our journey. I think you're, we're here. I think we meet people for a reason and they contribute to our lives, whether it be good or bad or, you know, so, you know, I think that actually the purpose of life is to find people that you connect with and you love. So, um, and, you know, Grant brought us so many blessings even in his passing. So when we talk about those two, you can't ignore those either. So you asked me how we are today. We're just living in the love in our lives. Awesome. Well, and here's an example too. Did you know you had that genetic, that gene before he passed? I had no, no ideas even of, I mean, I knew genetics, you know, but um, I've always been very science-minded. I've always been very interested in reading um, and researching, but, um, so, you know, genetics tests were really in their infancy, 
then. And um, so when they first did the, um, they put him in a long QT study and um, at Mayo, because that's the study that they were doing. So he didn't show anything, but you know, since then the eight years they went back, I asked them to go back and check because they had his whole genome mapped out. And yeah. so they were able to go back with new science and uh, figure out that he has that. Well, and the reason I'm saying this is we're in a society where there's global mass vaccination. And this is the most dangerous vaccination that's ever been created. And even if you have no genetic disposition, I mean, we've given podcasts on this. And actually, the last one I already got yanked in like five minutes, got yanked off YouTube. So we are officially awarded the, the yanked off YouTube. Yeah. So, so anyway, but the bottom line is it's dangerous for someone without that. And in your case, you learn that there could be genetic predispositions that, peop that are not triggered because it can be like an on-off switch, like taking the safety off a gun and putting your finger on the trigger. And this vaccination already the most dangerous, not to mention what you need, you don't even know about is in your body. Well, what people don't realize is that they, it's not that they, this is a brand new technology, this mRNA. What it is, is that they've tried mRNA before and it's never worked. So right. it's always been a failure. And so they don't, you know, tell you that, but, um, you know, they've never had one that has been successful. So they had to create a pandemic so they could create a emergency use action, right? So they don't have to do animal studies and they don't have to do all, they don't have to prove it. Well, remember they actually did do some animal studies and it turned and out they not died. so yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so what, what are you doing now? Uh, I know, well, I know, and I know you had some meetings with some people you can, you can, or you don't have to use the names, but I know you're moving forward and you're doing some kind of cool stuff now. So tell us what that is or what may you Or you, you do. can use the names. I am still quite a researcher and a reader, and I just want to find out the truth for myself and my family and uh, try and follow, uh, you know, I, I have talked with friends. I really try and do a broad range of research because I don't want to be stuck just in my lane. I think a lot of people just get stuck in their lane and they um, you know, only read the news that they want to read. And so um, I think it's important to really do a broad scope in your reading so you can get, um, you know, a full base. But, um, you know, I do follow a lot of people um, that I trust like Del Bigtree and um, I was able to go out and meet him and, uh, and listen to him and have a discussion with him. I, um, that's thehighwire.com. You know, I uh, do a lot of research with scientists and with, um, you know, the, following them. And also um, going on studies, you know, on like PubMed and looking at research, um, you know, just even going back to that my daughter was given something off label. There are so many things that are uh, that they've tried off label that had just been shot down that are like antiprotozoals or, you know, like, uh, you know, ivermectin things that um, are really working that they are not supporting, you know, that would be cheap and that are already in existence. So, um, but if you have a therapeutic that works, then you don't need a vaccine, right? Well, just to take vitamin D alone, which uh, even their studies show that increased the, the, whatever the death rate actually was by 400%. Um, also, Dr. Fred has a book, which is called- Decrease the death rate. Decrease, it would have decreased the death, right. death rate by 400%. What's the name of your book? Back to Health. So he has a book called Back to Health. Um, and we are in a profession that actually, actually, excuse me, is shown to reduce stress, to decrease autonomic dysfunction. They have studies on longevity and curvatures and 
people with hyperkyphosis reduced 15 years off the life expectancy. We can't even cite some of that data from our own research. He has to write a book that's all based on medical research on what they say about us because we can't even state what we say about us. So this whole idea that um, when you say stay in your lane, they control much of the expression of the scientists out there and the science that doesn't do them well, they don't let uh, us, they don't allow us to read. They don't let us put our turn signal on and change lanes. Well, you know, the, the interesting, you know, Fred, you had talked about freedoms. And I know that that is what your interest lies in. But it's funny that now you really realize the freedoms that we had, you know, freedom to choose, you know, what type of medical treatment you want, freedom to express yourself. You know, I have friends that I no longer feel that I can have open conversations with. It's just not worth it. You know, you're not going to change their mind. There's certain friends that, you know, are still open, but um, it's, it's very discouraging because you feel like you can't even express yourself. And, you know, for the people who do express themselves online, um, you know, there's no more open discussion. You know, it's all um, curated. What, what I think is amazing about you and about other moms, like you digging in, like you went back and had his tissue sampled and you pushed beyond the corner what they wanted to do. I think really parents, especially moms, uh, who have a potential vaccine-injured child, I think that is what's going to change the world. I think that you can't piss off moms. moms yeah, watch warriors, out for moms. <laughs> moms yeah, are don't warriors. don't piss off a mom. And so I think that uh, you guys are championed. Again, just let's just talk about informed consent. That alone will change the world. And you're not even, we're not even offered informed consent. It's shut up, take the jab, and whatever happens, happens. So uh, if they're vaccinating, what, uh, uh, 10,000 people a day, I think it was at Dodger Stadium, how many informed consent, you know, conversations were happening? No. And again, uh, no, there's no medical history. It, it's almost such a, it's so non-specific medical science. It should be malpractice. You're giving the same vaccine without taking them. Think about this. You're dis dispensing a drug which hasn't gone through long-term human clinical trials, and you're giving the same, every person the same volume of the medication, you've taken no medical history, you have no idea if there's contraindications, you have no idea if they have a susceptibility to a cytokine storm, and we're sitting there mass vaccinating elderly, the young, and everybody in between, and we're hoping for the best. How in the world is that best practices medicine? Well, the reality is it isn't. The real question is how in the world are people lining up for that? Right. If you think a little bit, all you have to do is think a little bit right. and you wouldn't line up for that. Well, if they told everyone you, you needed to be on a cholesterol pill because there's a cholesterol, you know, uh, running rampant through the American system, um, you know, people would say, no, I'm eating healthy. My cholesterol is fine. You know, I don't need to do it. And they say, well, it would be good for, you know, the system as a whole, you know, bring down medical costs. You know, people wouldn't go for that. You know, I don't know why people with the vaccination, obviously it's the whole, um, you know, rhetoric on the pandemic, but, you know, it's, uh, it just is, is unbelievable to me that people are so willing to go get something that is uh, so experimental. Yes. Well, any final words that, uh, I mean, your story is amazing. It's, you know, not even, I mean, it's, uh, uh, the empathy and compassion and respect and admiration for how you stood up 
and you know took the reins and uh, you know everything that you're doing in this podcast I believe is really in honor of Grant. Oh, thank you. I, it, you know, most of what I do is, you know, it, for, and my, both my kids, you know, that's, you know, I didn't grow up wanting to just be a mom, but I tell people I've been retired for 32 years and it's because um, I just, that's my purpose is growing these two humans. Well, there's no greater purpose in life, I believe. So thank you. Well, Valerie, we uh, love and appreciate you and your story. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I truly do believe that if this doesn't get taken off, that there's going to be it a will. lot of people that will uh, benefit. Our One of our mentors says, you never know how far reaching something you may say, think, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. And I think your story will be that change. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been an honor. Cool. Okay. Peace out. Okay, thank you.